Happy Mother's Day, North Star. Man, I am so sad I'm not there with you today. I'm in Virginia. We are moving Mary Michael out. She graduated and we're gonna be rolling back in a U-Haul back to Atlanta. And I'm sad to get to miss today with you. Mother's Day was one of my favorite days of the year at North Star because when we honor moms, it is our honor. Nobody can shape a life like a mom. And I just want you to know today how special you are to us and how special you are to so many others. You know, I was in my office getting ready for this this morning and I looked up on the wall and saw a picture of my mom. And that was a picture we found after she had passed. And Mary Michael, in fact, when we were going through the scrapbook, we, we pulled it out. You know, and I think about there's, there's mom down on my grandparents' farm down in Sonoy on the front end of life, who would have ever dreamed all the lives she would touch, all the people she would influence. But for David, Don and I, my brother, sister and I, the investment she made into us, that literally a day doesn't go by, I don't think about something my mom said or my mom did that influenced me. You are shaping so many lives and you may not even know it. And then even my wife, Ann, so gosh, we've celebrated 27 years. We're going on our 28th year of marriage. Casey's 25, Mary Michael's 22. What she has done for them and the steady influence that she is in shaping them into who they are today. I was so blessed in my life to have my mom, Ann, and my Ann all these years. Moms, you matter and you make a difference. So being out today, I was trying to think, well, who could we get? I mean, gosh, we've done panels before. We've done all kinds of other things. Do I bring in a guest speaker? But when we thought about speaking on this special day, who better to speak to moms and ladies than a mom and a lady? Gosh, she served here on our North Star staff for years. She's literally got a child in every age category from middle school down. She's an amazing leader. She's an amazing artist here on stage with us every Sunday in Compass and in the chapel at True North. But God has given her a gift of speaking. And today, you're gonna be blessed by that gift. So today, I want you to join me and put your hands together and give a warm North Star welcome to Miss Stephanie Ford. Give her a hand, everybody. We're so honored and happy to spend this day with her and you. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, welcome. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Today we begin a new series uh, called The Family Circus. And we talk about the circus like it's the greatest show on earth. And what a great term for motherhood, right? So when I think of a great show, it's got excitement, it's got thrills, it's got suspense, uh, it's got some breathtaking moments, probably some humor, a lot like, a lot like motherhood, right? The, the, the difference is though, with the circus, a lot of times there's a lot of applause and your name is in lights. And moms don't always get that. And so today, before we go any further, I'd love if you're a mom in the room to just stand for a moment. Go ahead, all the moms. Let's thank them. Stay standing, if you would. I'd like all the ladies, if you're a lady in the room, I'd like everybody to stand. And here's why, because um, I know that across this room there are 
story after story after story. There are some of you ladies in here today who are in a waiting season. Your heart wants to be a mom, but you're in a season of, of infertility or of adoption. Um, maybe you're fostering. Maybe today is a, a hard day for you because it's your first Mother's Day without your mom. Or maybe you've lost uh, a child uh, this year. I know some of you moms are in the early stages with infancy and toddlerhood, and you are just physically exhausted. And many of you in here uh, have middle schooler and high schooler graduates and beyond, and emotionally today you just are spent. And so I would love if we could, just before we go any further today, just um, stop and pray uh, together. And if you're, if you're not standing in the room, if you just reach your hand out and just ask God's blessing on those women, let's pray together. God, I thank you for every family that is represented by the people standing in this room today, God. And Lord, you know our hearts, you know our stories, you know the places today that need filling up the most. And so God, I just pray that today would be um, a time of refreshment, a time of encouragement. And God, that you would just meet each one of these women who is standing individually in their story today and ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Help me thank those ladies. Once again, you can be seated. So go ahead and uh, turn in your Bible to Genesis 3. That's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at the first family, the very first family. And just to catch you up in Genesis 1, uh, God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created Adam. He's created Eve. Everything is great. They're living in like a literal paradise. And then all of a sudden, things begin to go terribly wrong. So we're going to pick this up in uh, chapter 3. It says, Now the servant, serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now, let's pause for just a second. This is the first time in Scripture that we have heard the serpent speak. And notice what he says there. He says, did God really say, did he actually say that? And he didn't show up and say, hey, Eve, I need 10 minutes. I'm going to ruin your life. Pay attention. It was, it was just enough that she began to doubt. And she began to deny. And she began to disbelieve God's word. And it led her to sin. We continue to read verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. See, that's what happens when we disbelieve God's word and we sin. It leads us to shame. And in our shame, we hide. God draws near to us 
people draw near to us, and in our shame, we push them away. Continue reading, it says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now, when I read this, I kind of read it in my mom voice. Do y'all know moms? Do you have a mom voice, right? Am I the only one? Okay, that's what I thought. So this, my mom voice is the voice when I come in and um, I look in, in the refrigerator door is standing wide open and there's like a trail of snacks everywhere and I say, uh, who left the refrigerator door open? Or when I walk into my girl's room and every piece of clothing, they've had like dress up day and every piece of clothing is on the floor and I say, why are these clothes on the floor? Or so on and so on, right? Though my kids may not know it, but in these moments, I'm not looking for information. I very clearly know what I'm after. I'm giving them an opportunity to tell me what has happened before I respond. It's the same way with God in this moment. He was not after knowledge. He was after confession. See, I think that we forget sometimes that God's will comes from God's heart. It's incredibly personal. He knows our name, he knows our need, he knows our nature. And the plan that he crafts for our life is tailored very specifically and very individually to each one of us. In the very same way that I parent my four very different children, so not all of you know my kids, here's a quick little uh, recap of who they are. So Eli is 12. Um, he's very bright. He's in all academic classes. He loves to read. Um, he invite this um, shirt he's wearing says, books make me happy, people not so much. Um, and that is kind of his outlook on life right now. Now, you would think that a child who was just that, you know, bright and loves to read and loves to learn kind of would have it together. And just as an example, last year at, at field day, um, so like one of those water relays where you run and you squeeze a sponge over your head and then you run back the other way. And all of a sudden I noticed that everyone's looking at Eli and he's not the most athletic kid, but like a water relay, we can do this. But there are suds, just suds, from the top to the bottom and like making a trail at this point. Come to find out, again, my very bright child, the night before took a shower, bonus. Uh, use shampoo, bonus forgot the step where you wash the shampoo out of your hair while you're in the shower. So as he's at the water station, the water's just soaping him up. He thought it was great. Oh, mom, I wouldn't have to take a shower tonight. Okay. Now that would never happen to my nine-year-old Tessa. Never. She um, kind of carries that role as the firstborn. She cares very much what other people think. Um, she's very sensitive. She is my child who uh, writes apology notes in advance. Not because she's like mean and gonna hurt somebody's feelings, but just in case she happened to hurt somebody's feelings, she got one. Hold on, I got it right here. She is my same child who last year when we had a lot of orthodontic work done and had some teeth pulled and Tooth Fairy was coming a lot. Uh, we found a note that she wrote that said, Dear Tooth Fairy, I'm so sorry you've had to give me so much of your money. Here's some back. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy liked that a lot. Um, there's my Georgia Grace. She is six, 
And this is a picture of her from a dress up this year. And uh, she's dressed as Dorothy. She's like a movie musical, you know, like I feel like there's a soundtrack that follows her just throughout the day and everything is like, I need some water, you know. <laughs> she's like Snow White when the little woodland animal's like, oh, 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 oh. that's her. Everything is happy and joy and light. Uh, and then there's Amelia. And I'm, yes, you knew there was one coming, right? So, you know, those people in your life that tell you like, oh, you're going to have a force. Oh, that she's just like going to fly under the radar. You'll never know she's there. You know, those people, they are liars. Here's why. I'm just going to just, I'm going to just let y'all look at that. There's always one. That's her. She is a handful, but she is hilarious, and God gave her just to me for that. And, you know, I love to post on social media about my kids. If you follow me on there, you know there's probably some story that we're telling about something. And it's a great way to, to share that with my family and my friends. But you know what I don't post on social media typically, and what I don't share when people say, how's it going? You know, I don't say, man, I'm, I'm worn out at the end of this day. I don't say... Well, Eli really needed me to do this, but Amelia really needed this, and Tessa needed this, and Georgia Grace needed this, and I, I just don't feel like there was enough of me today. I was short-tempered, I was selfish, I was all these things. I don't, I don't put that out there because who wants to put your vulnerability and your weaknesses on display for everybody to see? So we do exactly what Adam and Eve did, we hide and our sin and our shame, when we doubt what God has said about us, we begin to hide. What I find a lot of times in life is when God is trying to work on me in something, he makes me work on it with my kids. And so right while I'm in the middle of dealing with my kids about it, he goes, hey, guess what, talking to you. So back in November, we were in, uh, in Florida. My parents live in the Panhandle of Florida. We were there visiting. And it came time where we were packing the van. You know, you always leave with more stuff than you come with. And we were like, just can somebody keep the kids occupied for a little while? So my, my brother works for the state of Florida. He said, we're doing some free vision screening today. Bring them on by. So we did, and we finished. And he sent me a text. He said, hey, there's a, something kind of weird with Tessa's vision test, but has she mentioned anything? Said, no, she hasn't said anything. He said, okay, well, it's probably nothing. But, you know, when you get back, go to the eye doctor or whatever. So I said, okay, we will. So... We get home, finally January, we get our vision insurance squared away and I take her and so, again, she hasn't mentioned anything so I'm kind of wondering what, what's gonna show up. So I, I sit at the appointment with her and I'm kind of trying to sit, you know, like where she's sitting to see like how far away she can see and they test, they check both of her eyes, everything's totally fine. They check her left eye, everything's totally fine and I'm thinking, I, we, I knew we didn't need to come. So they go to check her right eye and I notice that she's really, kind of struggling a little bit. And she's gauging her response off what the tech is asking. So the tech's like, hey, can you read line three? And she's like, yeah, that's a B? And they're like, uh-huh, go ahead. And she said, and that's a D? Are you sure? A P? Yeah, okay, good. So I'm catching on here now that maybe she's she's having a little more trouble than she let on. And so the tech leaves and we're waiting for the doctor to come back in. And I said, honey, it, 
it seems like you're having a little bit of trouble seeing out of that eye. Can you, can you really see? She said, I can't, actually, Mom, I can't. I said, well, honey, why didn't you tell them? She said, well, Mom, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, disappoint you, and I just, you know, I said, babe, listen, when the, when the doctor comes back in here, I need you to be honest and tell him, oh, please do not make me do that. I said, why? It's so embarrassing because they'll know that I wasn't being truthful. They'll know that I was kind of hiding the fact that I couldn't see. Here's what, ha- here's what happens. When doubts and disbelief come in, we take the parts of our lives that we think are unlovable in that same way, and we hide them away. Because who wants to admit, hey, I know I pretended like my marriage is great, but here's the truth, it's not. Hey, I know I pretended like I have everything together, but I'm really in the middle of anxiety. Hey, I know, right? Fill in your story, fill in the blank. See, when, when we believe God's truth, then the Spirit of God can go to work in our life in power. For John 16, 13 says that it's the spirit of truth, but in the same way, when we allow Satan's lies to get into our head and to get into our heart. And Satan goes to work in that life. John 8, says that he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And so today in our time that we have left, we're gonna look at our notes at three big lies that we need to combat. So I'm gonna take out your notes. Lie number one is the distant God mindset, that God is busy with more important things and so I have to figure it out myself. Now, we see here in Scripture, there, there are two names for God. There's a, the general name, which is Elohim, and that talks about God as creator. He's distant. He's powerful. He's almighty. And in our English Bibles, Elohim is translated as God. Then there's the personal name of God, Yahweh, the Lord, It's used in the context of of God having a relationship with his people. And in in our English Bibles, you'll see Yahweh translated as Lord in all capital letters. So now when we go back to Genesis, look at that passage, you'll see in the beginning it says Lord God. But the very first moment that Satan begins to speak, notice he doesn't say Lord God. He just says God. So he has stripped away the implication that there's any relationship, anything intimate, anything personal about God when he speaks to Eve. And then notice what she does. She, re- she repeats that. She doesn't say Lord God. She goes back and says God as well. And so now that little seed of doubt is in her mind as well. He's distant. He's powerful. He doesn't know me. He doesn't care about me. If you're here today and you find yourself feeling that, I want to draw you to Psalm 23 where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd, the Lord is the shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. Who has ever been with a preschooler in their life? Show of hands, toddler. What word do they love? My, mine, that is mine, that is mine, that is mine. And they are opinionated about it, right? But they believe it. It's the same way when scripture tells you the Lord is my strength, my song, my shield, my fortress. You can find it all throughout scripture. And if you need a reminder of that, read it and own it 
like a three-year-old would own that that is my toy, that is my God, he is my father, he is my friend, he is my rock and my salvation because the truth is that God knows me intimately, he loves me unconditionally and he is working in me presently. Lie number two is this superwoman syndrome that I can do it all by myself. Now, I'm the creative director here at North Star and from week to week there are lots of decisions that I have to make that, that carry a lot of weight, but I will tell you that nothing in my life feels quite so heavy sometimes as motherhood. It is simultaneously exhilarating and exhausting Right, when, you're, when they're little, you're just trying to like, protect their little bodies. Watch out for this, watch out for that. Don't put your finger there, that's hot. And now I've got a, a middle schooler and I'm finding that trying to protect his heart and his mind. And our culture wants us to you know, act like we have it all together and then it applauds us. And the problem is, it applauds what looks like it's all together on the outside, never really taking into account that on the inside, you may be falling apart. It says in Genesis 2, God didn't create man to be in community with him alone. After he created the world, he said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, I don't know specifically in this scripture where Adam was. I have a feeling that Eve was alone. And I have a feeling that's why Satan came to her in that moment. Because in those quiet moments when we're by ourselves, when we're out from under the protection of the people who love us and are caring for us, that's when he gets into our hearts and our minds. And so husbands in here, I wanna just issue this challenge to you to be the spiritual leader of your family, to go out in front, to pray, to take the hit. If maybe you're sitting here today and, and, and maybe that's where you're hiding men and you say, mm -mm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't even know how to do that. I would challenge you just to begin to pray. At our house, we do mad, sad, glad at the end of the day, and we just ask our kids what made you mad today, what made you sad today, what made you glad today, and then we use that to help craft our prayers. Thank you, God, for this. God, help us work on that. And it looks different for every kid. You know, for my, our three-year-old, I don't know if you're familiar with The Little Mermaid, but right now that is on a loop at my house, and every day we pray for Ariel to get her voice back. <laughs> every day. Now, she has added at the end of it, and help her sing for you, God. Help her sing for you. I know. But here's the thing. That's, that's what's important in her life right now. In my six-year-old's life, it's different. In my nine-year-old's life, it's different. In my 12-year-old's, it's different. And it's gonna be different for your family. But, but dads and husbands, pray. Pray for, pray for the friends that your kids are gonna come in contact with because... Um, the truth is that God designed me for community, but I would love for you to write outside of that for a community that takes me to Jesus. A lot of people say, well, this is my like circle of like gym friends. This is my circle of school friends. This is my circle of work friends. And this is my circle of whatever friends. I'm gonna say right now, if your circle of friends is spending more time talking about other people and talking about other things and it's talking about Jesus and taking you to Jesus, you need to look for a different circle of friends. I know that's not super popular to say. My six-year-old came home the other week and she was just incredibly upset. 
I said, why are you so, what are you so sad about? Oh, somebody hurt my feelings. Okay, well, you know, did they say they're sorry? Or like, why are you so upset about that? <laughs> because they're a Christian and Christians aren't supposed to be mean, right? And here's the thing. We are, we're selfish and we're sinful and we're shameful. And that's why we need other people in our lives who are gonna keep taking us back to Jesus. Does that mean that we don't spend time with non-believers? No, God called us to be salt and light. But there needs to be some people in your life who are holding you accountable and who are taking you back to Jesus. So the, the, the second part of that story was Tessa is, the doctor comes back in and she, you know, she tells him, yeah, I really can't see. And he says, yeah, you're gonna need glasses. And he gives her the prescription. And then he goes on to say, you know, actually you've got this condition called amblyopia. And in layman's terms, it basically means this, this eye is very weak. And because you've spent a while not addressing that weakness, you're kind of losing your vision in that eye. And so, we need to treat it. We need to get aggressive and we need to treat it. So we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to patch that now. Talk about wearing your weakness and your vulnerability and your insecurity for everybody to see. There it is, just slapped right on your face. And so she said, Mom, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I said, Honey, listen, you know, you're almost 10. They said by the time you get 10, they can't really can't really do much for it anymore. Do you want it to get better? Yeah, mom, I do. Okay, then baby, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to go through the steps. So, you know, at first she just, just kind of wore it and just kind of down on herself about it. And I should have just told you and I made a mistake and I'm sorry. I said, you know what? We're in this with you together. And so sometimes it helps when you have people around you who are a safe place for you to bring what feels like it's broken, what feels like a weakness or an insecurity. I say, not only am I gonna point you back to the healer, but I'm right here in this with you. The third line, the final one, is that we feel like we have to live in this comparison trap and that we have to compete with other moms to feel valuable. I was at a conference just this weekend that said that there are 95 million photos uploaded to Instagram a day. 95 million. Talk about being saturated with images and things from other places. Now, maybe you're in here and you say, I'm not on social media, I'm not on that, I don't, I don't even have to deal with that. Okay, that's great. But I know it's happening at schools, I know it's happening in the workplace, I know it's happening in playdates, I know it's happening in family conversations. It's just like in the beginning with Eve. Again, somebody didn't show up to Eve and say, I need to ruin your life, pay attention. She completely thought that that messenger had a, a credible message for her until the doubt and the disbelief started to set in. You see, Satan wants us to focus on our flaws and our insecurities and then spend even more energy figuring out how to hide them. For me, it, it kind of plays out like this. So uh, my parents are here 
today. My mom uh, has her degree in music ed. I actually have my degree in music ed as well, though it should probably say my mother's name on the degree because she helped me get through all of those courses and classes and everything I know. She taught me about music and, and teaching, but my dad taught me what I know about being handy. I love power tools. I love a good project. So not that long ago, I was, was working on something and I didn't have any tools, but it was where my dad's stuff was. And so I grabbed his measuring tape and just began to kind of work on my project. Let's work on this, let's work on that. Let's make some notes. Let's get to the point where we put it all together and just working by myself, you know, I got this. And then I realized like, it's not going together like I planned and I don't understand why. And as is often the case in my brain, one thought takes me to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. Y'all familiar with this? And I just said, you know what? I, I don't even know, why did I even try? I don't have the skills for this. I'm not smart enough for this. This is just, I shouldn't even been trying this. So I just put it away. Didn't, didn't tell anybody, just put it away. And it wasn't that much longer. Later on, some time had passed. My dad was working on something. He gets out his same measuring tape. He's measuring, making a note, measuring, puts his thing together. And of course, it's all good and fine. I'm like, I, I do not understand how that's working for you. I did all the things that you did and it didn't work out for me. He said, oh, did you use my measuring tape? Well, yeah, the same one you just used for yourself. He said, oh, well, I guess I forgot to mention that that one broke the other day and I, so I just taped it quickly back together. But when I did, it didn't fit quite the same. So really there's like a quarter of an inch missing. See, the thing is, what I was trying to use to measure my life and create what I had planned, that measuring standard was not for me. That measuring standard was for him. And it's the same way in our lives. God is not trying to hold you accountable to what he's holding someone else to, right? The middle of my story may be the end of your story. But when we compare and we compete, we lose sight of all of that. See, Satan wants to flood you with the truth to float one lie. And that's all it takes. The truth is that Jesus has already determined my value, and that God wants me to be the best version of me. He didn't create any one of you to be the mom for my kids, and he didn't create me to be the mom for your kids, or you to be this person's this or that person's that. He created us individually. He knows our names, he knows our needs, he knows our nature. And his will for our lives is personal. The band's gonna come out in both of our rooms and they're gonna sing this song and as you listen today, I mean, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you need to be reminded of. I don't know what lies have taken root. But as you listen today, you're gonna have the opportunity after the message to, to respond. And I just, 
What I want you to do is to ask God that if you're supposed to be bold enough today to respond to him and to take the first step in combating those lies, that you will. Let's pray together, God. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. Lord, you know the lies that, that the enemy has whispered. You know the doubts that we have about ourselves, the insecurities, the weaknesses. God, today we want your, your truth to be louder than those lies. And so God, would you just open up our hearts, open up our minds. God, remind us who we are and remind us whose we are. 